Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity. We have round two at Embra due to technical difficulties on my part. So we're having him back again for another conversation. And today we're going to talk about shedding the light on the mysticism of the cybersecurity talent gap. Embra, um, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to do this topic. Again, Chris, thank you so much. And uh... Everyone out there, it's a pleasure talking today too. Sorry, last time we had technical difficulties, as Chris said. Today, I wanted to talk about a a topic that it's actually dear to me. And I felt like that we have a broken model, mental model, when we talk about cybersecurity talent gap. Everywhere you look around these days, uh, be it in the print media or other form of medium, you always come across this notion that we are lacking t- uh, the talent gap. There's this massive number of uh, openings out there that have yet to be felt. So, Phil, and I thought maybe let's use today uh, to have some conversation about what I call in my subjective lens, it's uh, that it's a fallacy. We we created this thing for ourselves and we need to find a way to walk out of that uh, mental model which is broken to me, to be able to uh, let's further shed light together. It's, it's an open discourse, but I'll be glad. I'm not saying I have a monopoly on it, but I would love to see what others have to say to it. But most importantly, uh, my experience background-wise, uh, I'd love to talk about that, Chris. Absolutely. Um, b- before we jump in, uh, <laughs> for those of you on LinkedIn, uh, follow myself, follow Embra, follow the podcast. For those of you on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and the notification button that the next time we come up, pops up on your screen. And for those of you after the fact on podcast, share us with your friends and family. We really do want to get that awareness out there about cybersecurity and the possibility for it to be a career field. So with that, I my approach with, with the, the talent gap is that there's there's two aspects to it. There is one aspect on the potential employers where they're saying there's a gap because they have a job description that's like longer than Santa Claus's wish list. And um, then they, they can't find candidates for that. Or when they're, they're compa- when recruiters are comparing people to that list, they're not finding people that stack up. And then uh, on the other hand, um, on the potential um, candidate side, I don't think there's enough awareness of what all the roles are. 
so they're only looking at two roles. They're maybe the, the, the SOC analyst or the pen tester, and they, they don't see all the other opportunities out there. So they like get sucked into boot camps or um, degrees that are focused solely in those areas and then can't find the highly coveted pen testing role, which there really aren't that many of in the grander scheme of things because it, it's a very specialized role. So, you know, those are fantastic points, uh, Chris. But I think the greater thing and that you've highlighted at one, let's say we talk about from the hiring side of point. I get befuddled when I look at some of this job description. You're looking at a domain that, for example, when I was going to grad school, when I talked to my graduate advisor, I said, you know, computer science is a young field, and we still have to agree it's a young discipline. It used to be in the math department in some schools, or who knows what other departments they were. The reason I'm highlighting that is when you look at those job descriptions, you're looking at a 15, 18, 19 years experience on a cap- capability that has never existed before that. So it's like, where is this coming from? Because how am I going to get an experience for, for on a product, supposedly, on a capability that has yet was not a, 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 a conceived from either the labs or from other people's mind where I never created. And you expected me to um, have uh, several years of experiences. That. And what also bothers me about that at the beginning is we tend to, uh, one force, I go to some of these meetups and other things. We have cybersecurity talent gap. And every time I go there, and I bet we have friends among us here virtually, who has friends that have been looking for jobs in cybersecurity, and they're in cyber, and they don't still have a job. So if we truly say there's a talent gap, what sort of talent gap is there? This is why I said it's a mental model that is broken, because one, we come to this market where I call it a fruit stand because all our technology capabilities, the tools I was using in grad school, honestly, I can't remember if anyone is ever using those right now. So it's a fruit stand. Today, the fruits are fresh. The day after tomorrow, you have to throw them and pick up another thing. So I think fundamentally what we are to look for is can we find curious people, one, through what others might call in a neurodiversity, because this is what is needed. The neurodiversity side is literally, we we all function differently and one has to accept that. So in that functionality sense, you, Chris, bring something to the table. I'm a a soccer fan. I'm an Arsenal fan and I'm a fan of Asin Wenger. My favorite coach says, you know, in one of his saying, you know, the team functions at best when everyone is performing at, uh, the team is most efficient when everyone is performing at their best. So when you look at our NIST cybersecurity framework, for example, there are seven categories, right? So you can only be as good as great in one side. There are orders in that other side. There are orders in the other side. There has to be orders contributing from that side. And I remember one time uh, as a grad student, we were working on a research this was on uh, how do we mitigate against the proliferation of uh, malware and other things, or you know, viruses. Uh, in one conversation, we were talking to uh, medical. Uh, we because Davis has a medical school. We were talking to one doctor. He said, 
why are you guys thinking about it this way? I said, we just stood back. Because what we ended up finding out, here is a medical field. How to contain disease and whatnot, they've been doing that for ages. And it's a natural transformation. It lends itself to how you could easily contain viruses. It's no different. How do you contain malware? Is how do you do population control to make so that the disease doesn't proliferate? So the aha moment came for us from there. So what you could see is if we did not have those doctors, we did not listen to the medical doctors, we would have not been able to answer this problem rightly. So if you are a recruiter, you come to the table, you're looking for something specific that did not even exist. And they expect you to know everything about a, techn a technology stack. Who, who can do that? Who has that capacity to know all of these technical tools? What has to be there is for, in our recruiting, we had to ensure that there are people who are hungry, that people that are teachable, there are people who want to do this. And then we then open the opportunities to others that are not in the field. For example, um, in a company that I work for, it's local to the DC areas. One of the things I've asked uh, one of the recruiters was, you know, go to my alma mater, University of California, go to MIT, and other people try to hire. One question I asked, when was the last time any of you went to Howard University, local to DC? When was the last time any of you went to University of Baltimore in, in Baltimore? They will go to Hopkins at a campus that I teach at. But when was the last time they went to uh, Baltimore? When was the last time they went to Townsend to actually recruit from there? So we actually have talent that we are walking past because we limited ourselves. We build this mental model, which is broken, that this kind of talent can only be found there or this kind of talent has to be found in a resume. Are we looking for a particular profile in a resume or are we looking for something exactly that needs to be written in resume? And I think this is why, this is a key reason why we are flunking. And when we come about, we said, we have this massive talent gap. It's like, but whenever I talk to people, they say, I'm looking for a job in cybersecurity. What is going on here? So you could see that, um, <clears throat> subjectively, what I think is, um, as I said, we, ha we have to stop looking at one thing that we in ourselves we are, we limit it's is limit ourselves it's like it's not an unconscious bias i think it's a conscious bias that is so prevalent and it's been self-imposed and one has to be able to do deeper reflection of the self to be able to solve this problem because if you look at the global populace we have billions of people out there if you look at the continental united states we have hundreds of thousands of students in the sciences the question is, are we going to stop self-imposing, literally engage these minds for them to be able to come and contribute in a field that is so young that we don't have answers to? And sometimes you'll hear people, we say, we'll do automation and other things. And I think those things are fantastic. Um, there are a lot of things in the tools. Sometimes I see that you know, you have these tools we procure, we want them to do certain things. The tools have embedded capacity, whereby if we leverage them right, I don't have to go. The operating system have uh, uh, firewalls in it, 
some operation systems have fantastic firewalls. Are we enabling those? Are we configuring them rightly so that I can hire the right Chris over there to give him the opportunity to learn, to grow, and then do this work? Because I bet you most of the time, not only the schools, the universities too, you'll find out what you learn in class and what you apply in, in the job are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, I, we can, um, I'll give you an opportunity or maybe somebody has something else to ask. But I think uh, this, uh, we, the walking with the mental models that are broken, I think that is why uh, we have been limited. And I've yet to see good qualifiers to say that this is why it's not happening. We keep saying, okay, we have these jobs. When you look at the job, those job descriptions, it's like, who would have this experience? This domain did not exist two, day, two years ago. So mm-hmm. who is right in this? And then I think it comes down to the self-limit. We have to get out of that. And it's, an, it's not unconscious. I think it's a conscious bias we created. No, I, I, I totally think so. And um, we, we mentioned earlier that... Um, most folks might focus on a SOC analyst or a pen tester roles. What are some examples of this conscious bias that we've created and caused us not to look at the other entry-level roles, the other alternative roles that might be out there, but businesses might not be promoting or students are not aware about? So I think, because I recall when I was a student, I undergrad, both undergraduate days and grad school days, I used to work at uh, both IBM at Apple. I think the notion of internship, I was even talking to my current employer about this. We need to create co-op, not only internship, but this this, uh, co-op. I don't know what's the expansion of it, but it gives students the opportunity or it gives other people the opportunity to work with these companies. It doesn't have to be full-time. It could be a part-time thing while you exploring, you're doing your current job, but you're trying to break into this career. Be given the opportunity to explore. Because at the end of the day, Chris, I think it comes down to how willing and how curious one is. And then for us professional in this space, we have to create this environment where we can nurture that hidden talent. Let it come out. Let it shine so that for anyone who could. Honestly, this language I'm speaking is not my mother tongue. I had to learn it. The lot of things I'm doing this way, and I honestly, I can tell you, Chris, you were not born with any of these things. We had to learn it one way or another. Mm -hmm. So why is it that when we are trying to hire in cyber, we're telling people, you must have this before I hire you. So Uh, you got to bring people in, you train them, and then they will be hungry, you know, because it's a constant line. And then you cannot, you know, we say in my mother tongue, man dies the day he runs out of tricks. That means that's the day you stop learning. Because yep. if we don't, if we find a way around any day, any moment, we we constantly finding ways to to make so don't to make so we don't die. The day we die, that's the day we run out of tricks because doctors and everybody are trying to bring in tricks and other things to stop that from them. So the entry level um, uh, position, I think one we have to be able to give uh, people the opportunity to volunteer to work in the environment, give them an opportunity, uh, be it for pay or for non-pay to explore. Because like I said, when you look at cyber, you and I within this field, you find out that we have statisticians, we have mathematicians, we have uh, lawyers. When you look at this framework of NICE, 
the categories, the job categories and the skill, affiliated skill, associated skill, you find that literally anyone in any domain has a role to play in cyber. So why is it that we are telling people that they can, uh, we have a talent gap when we have plethora of human talent out there that can come contribute to our field? Exactly. And one of the things that I do in, in companies that I've worked for is always advertised or encourage them to look even internally. I mean, from auditors to, to tellers to uh, managers in, in non-computer departments, you have individuals that have a passion for this, but they had, hadn't been able to give them the opportunity, but they have the curiosity. So they're doing it on their own. Look internally. There's individuals that are looking for paths into uh, tech and cyber. And, and the other thing is I'm like right now I'm working with one of the local school districts is to bring that awareness to the students as well and make them aware that there's, there's these paths. But um, like you said, kind of, remove the all the the long list of requirements and look for that passion um i, I had a a guest on and he said always hi he always hires for aptitude and attitude and those are the first two things that that they look for everything else can be learned yeah you uh, the same exact thing and i call it uh, we hire for potential don't hire for because, like I said, honestly, recently I'm taking a course with Oxford Universities on AI in open banking and fintech. A couple of years ago, that doesn't exist. If I am not humble enough to say that I have to be a career student to constantly keep learning, who among us could say they came about to be an expert in AI and banking? They had to learn it, they had to be taught, you know, AI in open banking and fintech. When did fintech started? Not long ago. So if somebody come to you to tell you that, oh, we have an opening, a fintech opening, and we need 18 or 20 years experience, like, excuse my French, I will ask you, what are you drinking that you are not sharing? Because <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Oh, what must you be smoking that you're not sharing? So I, <laughs> yeah, so I think we have to get rid of this uh, self-imposed myopic notion of how things need to be. Because even in our education, even if at a national level, we're doing cybersecurity from K to whatnot. I was just asking one of my colleagues at NIST, when was the last time we visited any of the reservations uh, for our natives to actually talk about cybersecurity? Do anybody has data on that? And we have brilliant. And there's no community, and I'm willing to challenge anyone that, there's no community that can guarantee that they have monopoly on human talent, human capacity or capital. You'll fa go find any community. There are brilliant people everywhere. So the question now is, are we going to create an environment through which we can nurture capable talent so that people can realize their potential? And wow. for us, we in this uh, profession, we need to be humble enough to realize that as you, I, you and I conversation always, I'll tell you, if anybody believes that you get it 100% right in security, that's when somebody comes and eats your lunch right in front of you. So it's a constant learning, and then the dynamics are changing, and then the tools we use, all the capabilities, they are fruit stand. Tomorrow is something else. So why is it that we keep telling you, Chris, oh, I have to hire somebody who has to have this one, two, three specific things, and you drop those things through algorithms, 
where they will pick in some uh, specific uh, things and they will weed away all this brilliant talent we actually have because the algorithm says that, uh, oh, you did not meet this criteria because they are looking for key words. And this is what is killing us. I, as we say in America, we are shooting ourselves in the foot and telling people that we don't have the talent. And the reality of the matter is when you truly investigate, we walk in by talent every day because of our own self-imposed conscious biases, I call it, or our own mental model that we think should work. And they don't work. And it's high time we throw those away. We look at a different paradigm to actually do better if we're truly going to be able to truly qualify, a quantify yet qualify statement on what it means to uh, have a, t a talent gap in cybersecurity. I just don't believe uh, it is, but I think it's a fallacy and it's self-imposed and it's uh, what is limiting us. Um, you, you brought up an interesting use case, which, which I want to highlight, um, where they didn't go to the native, um, Native American communities. And there, there's actually, I know from someone that they did go to the Native American uh, communities, but then they wouldn't, like the students were interested in tech and cyber, but the parents were didn't see the value of it. So they didn't want to pay for their students to take the buses to go to do the apprenticeship, to go to do that. And then when they showed the parents that, the value that it brings to the community and how they were investing in the community, then things changed. And within a period of, I think they mentioned two to three years of teaching the parents the value of tech and cybersecurity, showing the students that um, it does bring income to the, the community and they didn't have to go out and be farmers to provide for their family because at this age um, they were in college, so they had to provide for their family and show them that it, it helps the community, then they were able to, to get students that were interested in working in tech and cyber to bring back that money to their community. But before they didn't see the value in it, like but did you they, see, they, they, they weren't exposed to it. Did you see what happened uh, uh, through what you just said? It's the awareness thing. And I think that's what you're doing, thing. we are all doing. And as a country this rich, I think we have enough resources to enable those communities. If the bus services are not available, there are enough not-for-profit organizations out there. And this speaks to our general, one of the key things that's allowed, making us to fail because we concentrated on a small populace without realizing that that's, there's a bigger populace out there that we need to tap into. And those populace do not have access and in one way to provide access, you could start with uh, awareness campaign because by talking to the parent, every parent wants the best for their kid. Nobody wants to live in destitute, to live as a destitute. Nobody wants to live as in, in poverty. The question now is, are we providing access to everyone else out there? I was humbled one time because I was teaching at one semester I was teaching both at uh, Hopkins in Baltimore and in uh, University of Baltimore, North Charles, and then Hopkins, a Homewood campus. One day I was surprised. One of my graduate students, <clears throat> he was taking, uh, what was it, forensics, the uh, digital forensics class. His assignment was late, and I was asking him, what's going on? Why is your assignment late? 
And he said, well, I had to come to campus to finish my assignment to, uh, and print it. And I was shocked. Here in one city, Baltimore, two universities on the same campus, I have one, when I push it further, the, guy, the graduate student said, I don't have internet access at home. This is Baltimore, imagine. This is why I have to come to the library to do my work. That same evening, I went to uh, Hopkins, and I have my Hopkins students sitting there, crossing legs, legs on the, car, the t a table with everything they need, I, I could say. So these dynamics of access, and we make a lot of assumptions that everybody has it. And I had, I struggled with this, even when in the Silicon Valley. One time I went to Institute of the Future, for the Future, at, uh, they are located in Hamilton, just by Stanford in Palo Alto. From a meeting, I, I was walking. You go a little bit east, Palo Alto, you find homelessness, you have fine order. And here are the British, a brilliant mind. We're thinking about everything we need to do around the world, yet still we are forgetting that majority of the populace don't have access. We need to do something about that. And I think all of those, are, again, it comes back to our mental model that everything we're creating with the assumption that everyone has access, the reality of it, we are leaving a lot of people behind thinking that the way we have it, that's the way it should be. And um, we really have to sit back and do deep introspection to figure out how do we solve this rightly? Because to think that those with access is going to solve it, it's not going to solve it. It's never going to scale. This, that solution would not scale. We got to reach out. We got to get out of our comfort zone and actually tap into the untapped um, talents that are out there. And we have brilliant mind out there. We just need to make sure we reached out. Yeah, I mean, like for example, my local school district, when, when COVID hit, there was an assumption that everyone had internet or everyone had a device that they would be able to do schooling on. And then they, they found that was a fallacy. And then they handed out devices and, oh, people don't have internet. And then they, 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 they worked with local ISPs to provide low-cost internet. And then some students still weren't using the technology. And that's because they, they, they didn't no have... Exactly. Yeah, no electricity no, at home. No, so. no power at home. Yep. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I don't know if other people have uh, other questions we can definitely address. But I think we have to look inside the self to see are we been are we enabling because the assumption is made that we have this. Very, you know, everybody goes to school; they have this, but. You know, cyber with the diversity in the uh, the workforce, uh, the framework. I, I welcome everyone should be able to contribute in cyber. So when someone comes said, "I don't have," look when you look at tech, what is said, pen testing. Yeah, it requires technical skill, deep training, and other thing. But when when truly did we actually were doing pen testing as a domain and everything? If you stretch back, if you go back a decade, you might not find much literature uh, and other things on it. Oh, capabilities in it. I mean, most oh. of your pen testing started because uh, you, you had bored kids at home and they wanted to get free internet or they wanted to uh, break into a game and get a feature. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, honestly, I, I think, I do not think there's a talent gap. I think um, the gap is the limits we set on ourselves without actually realizing the potentials in uh, in humans 
and our fellow creatures that I say out there for all for them to contribute uh, to come to the table and contribute. And if you look at our field alone, very few women. This assumption that you know only boy, boys uh, boys club can actually do it. So we have to break those things. And some of the most brilliant minds I, I met in cyber are, are women. And I was not born, uh, nor many of us perhaps around here. But I believe, even the unfortunate thing of World War II, the U.S. was able to win when we got out of the mental model that everything has to be run by men. It is when uh, women and everybody come to the table, came to the table, be it, be it black, be it white, be it um, uh, Asian, be it Latinos and other things, and then be it tapping into our Native American populace, where we are the most fantastic, great uh, code breakers. Right? There were movies about those things. It is when we won. So why, if we are to win here, if we are to uh, do it rightly, we have to remove these self-imposed barriers and actually uh, bring people to the uh, to the table to solve this problem. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, what 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 a session! Thank you so much, Embra, for for coming today. Truly appreciate it. Uh, thanks all for for watching. Uh, follow myself, Embra, on LinkedIn. Follow us on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Hit that notification button so that you have the next great episode. And share this episode with all your friends and family on podcasts. That way, we can we can break this mental model and bring awareness to everyone that needs access to it. Thank yeah, you, Embra. Well, yeah, no, thank you, uh, Chris. And then uh, on a one last note, uh, no, we got to work on the job listings. We really have to challenge the traditional norms or uh, way we think about these things. It has to be a continuous uh, learning career for all of you. Don't ever get discouraged. Uh, it's part of the process. Connect with professionals and then get mentors, get coaches uh, as well, you know, we have to push, uh, as you said, Chris, earlier, we have to push for the awareness. Everything that you are all doing here, we have to push for the awareness because there are folks who are interested in this career, but they've not heard about it and they are brilliant enough. They want to make a career switch, but because no one has reached out to them, it has not happened. And I think uh, as a collective, we definitely will do this. Uh, we'll get to the promised land for a better cyber space uh, for for the, you know for the community for humanity at large not only us in the united states because this is a, a challenge for the human race um, yes Lovely. well you well, all have you a so. fantastic time and it's all it's a joy coming back and talking to you again chris happy friday and a fantastic weekend to all of you thank you very much take care bye for now bye